0: You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Welcome on in to your Wednesday Locked On Syracuse podcast, Tyler Aki and Tim Leonard. We're continuing our year in review, the 2020 Syracuse lens of everything that happened in this very strange, crazy, and for some, a very horrific year, but... This this has been a fun little thing to go back through. We did the spring months on yesterday, so we went through pretty much that March 11th day on yesterday's show. So go check that out if you missed it. Find Locked on Syracuse wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review the show as well. And we also went through the April, May, all that stuff. And then on our Monday episode, we got through the winter pretty much pre-COVID syracuse times and everything that went on during the year but today we're gonna start to dive into the summer it was a very very dull summer it felt like but there was still some it, it was dull in terms of quantity but it was very lively in terms of quality i yeah. think is the best way to put it of everything that went down for syracuse over the course of the summer and I believe the best place to start here is basketball recruiting, and probably the most uneventful but most impactful month was June. It starts June 4th when Syracuse gets a commit from Frank Anselm, and he is going to join the program right away and be one of those 2020 guys. Again, you don't usually get a lot of 2020 guys on June 4th, but Frank Anselm, a guy who reclassified, had Syracuse in his top fives or top sixes or whatever it was, and eventually ends up picking the orange, and it was a very, very welcome sign late in the process for SU.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to compare apples. It's not apples to apples, but it kind of does feel like Brandon Huntley-Hatfield a little bit. We're seeing some good signs there. Obviously, it's a different caliber of player, and who knows how Huntley-Hatfield ends, but just the way that Anselm sort of came out of nowhere... And maybe not nowhere, but there was a little bit of talks. And I, I think he originally released, if I'm not mistaken, a list of five schools and did commit somewhere in the SEC. I'm trying to remember the name of the school. Was I don't it
1: know Arkansas if, or LSU? I, yeah, I it was, it was a school like that.
0: And we, I probably should remember, but it was an SEC school that he had high on his list. And Syracuse was not in his original list when he made decision. And then it felt like he just got a little bit more buzz at prolific prep and sort of re-entered the waters after decommitting. And then it was, okay, is he going to go to an SEC school, or has he completely changed his mind, he's going to go up north to Syracuse? And I was very excited when he committed, because just feels like a little bit more skilled than a big of of recent years for Syracuse of what they brought in, especially from freshman-type ranks or high school ranks. It's kind of weird now looking back on it though because But what, he was time- a
1: center that could catch the ball and to us that yeah. felt like a foreign concept based on the big man play. We have seen over the past 5-7 years and that was just something super welcome. That was the way that his coaches were talking about him. He's a rim runner, he's a guy you can throw alley-oops to and to you and I, it was like, "Whoa, like this is a this is some sort of Frankenstein of big men that we're seeing come in." and could totally, totally take over the center position. And obviously he hasn't gotten much run so far, and maybe we were a little overhyping him back in the day, but he's definitely one of those guys that, in terms of the projects that Syracuse has brought in lately, you feel pretty good about his long-term projections.
0: Yeah, I'm still very excited about him. It's He's only played in, what, maybe 30 minutes total or something? I don't know the exact number. If that, yeah. Yeah, it's... It's ridiculous to really make any sort of conclusions. Now, it's a little maybe disappointing that he's probably seemingly not going to figure into the rotation too much at this point, at least it looks like. But who knows, based on what happens the rest of the way, if he makes some strides in practice or if there's you know an injury or COVID test. Unfortunately, that could be a, a real thing that could get him into some real action in ACC play and going on down the road. It's odd, though, because I was thinking back, the exercise we did, I think we did some prop shop bets in our basketball season preview sort of lead up, and we had Frank Anselm as the backup center as the favorite, and I think Jesse Edwards was two, and John Bolojok was three. Bolajac has played more minutes than the other two, though. And... That
1: order has been inverted.
0: Yeah, completely, probably, because we have seen some Edwards, although Edwards... It's a little more of a bummer with him, and I'll give him some benefit of the doubt because of his uh, timetable this offseason and not being able to be in Syracuse for a lot of it. That definitely didn't help matters, but I would have liked to have seen a little bit more from Jesse Edwards now in year two here, and the whole conversation for a little bit once Frank Anselm committed was where does he stack up in the center depth chart, and will he redshirt, and it quickly became... I don't think there's any shoddy red shirts. This guy's ahead of the curve, and it hasn't quite panned out to that degree, but still very early.
1: And, of course, everyone's getting the free year as well. All right, the next day, very next day, June 5th, probably the biggest news of the off season for Syracuse basketball. You could argue Alan Griffin, but to me the biggest news of the offseason is that Benny Williams... 2021 guy, committing to Syracuse. At the time, he was hovering around 50. In some places now, he's up to 25, in the top 25. He's maybe even picked up an extra star, depending on where you have where you get your basketball recruiting analysis and rankings and all that stuff. But to me, this was the biggest news of the basketball offseason.
0: It was so cool to see two bang-bang, June 4th, Anselm, June 5th, Benny Williams... And I think we had sort of cautiously optimistic expectations that Benny Williams was coming and it was trending that way for a while and he made his top five about a week earlier and we knew the decision timetable going in, so it would have been a bummer if he didn't come, but that doesn't take away anything from the fact that they got a kid who is now considered a five-star and I know the the mellow comparison has been thrown out by a couple people, which we don't really like to, to see for any caliber of player, but... I'm very excited about Benny Williams, and those two days was very fun after what's kind of been sort of a downtime in Syracuse basketball recruiting, if you take the last three, four years as a whole, seeing those two days, and remember, once Benny committed, it was, you got Benny and you got Dior, so you got your top guys in 2021 and 2022, which I guess is kind of a sore spot now, but still, in this timetable, we didn't really know what was happening with Dior Johnson. And the thing, too, with Benny
1: is we, we were talking about how do you pair Benny Williams? Do you get a, a, a big man, like a Mac ETN or something like that? And uh, you and I were always kind of like, well, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if he was the only guy. Sure, the recruiting ranking might not look great at the end of it because you just are bringing in one guy. And, again, a lot of these recruiting rankings, if you go out and, and get a, volume, a heavy volume number of guys, you're probably going to have a top 20 ranking, whereas Syracuse... I don't know what the, the ranking's sitting at right now for the class of 2021. Not Again, great. It's probably yeah. all said and done. But you still feel really good about the class, especially when you know that everyone's going to be given a free year. So pretty much everyone's going to be coming back I'd Imagine next year, save maybe Quincy Garrier, the way he's played his way into the conversation for as a potential NBA draft pick. But it's not the worst thing in the world when you've only got one guy coming in in a year like this. So... Benny Williams, you and I were, I think we were probably some of the first people who said, it might be the best thing if Syracuse just, you go all chips to the center of the table for a big man, and if you don't get it, then that's fine. You can maybe explore some options in the transfer portal, but Benny Williams, it felt like if he is a one-man class, which by all accounts and intents right now, it looks like he will be, that's a
0: a rock solid thing for Syracuse in, in the class of 2021. And it sort of continued this trend that we've talked about a lot, where the wing position, they've still been able to recruit fairly well and up to their standards of of yesteryear, I guess you could say, because even getting the transfers like Elijah Hughes and Alan Griffin, you can factor that into Tyus Battle, Malachi Richardson, and a couple other guys that have come through this program. Andrew White was a transfer at the wing position in recent memory that has been a, a good find for Syracuse. So we've talked about how recruiting's down and everyone says that. It's really just the center position is down. And you could also say they haven't quite recruited the top of the zone position to the caliber they used to or to the fit that they used to. Kadari is the exception to that. But that's why I think we've seen some less than stellar defenses and a lot of three-point field goals is because they don't have the length and athleticism that they used to have at the top of the zone. But hopefully Kadari. And Benny, you're getting back to guys that really fit that two three zone mold.
1: Real quick, I gotta tell you about the best protein bar on the market. That of course is Built Bar, with new flavors seemingly coming out all the time, including one of my new favorites is the caramel brownie and the cookies and cream, both of which I recently got through Built Bar. They are awesome. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to choose. And the best part of all of this is that even though it tastes like a candy bar, they are healthy for you. They're perfect if you're trying to maintain weight, lose weight, whatever. Built Bar is the way to go. Just take the peanut butter brownie for a second here. 19 grams of protein, only 180 calories, only 5 grams of sugar, and only 5 grams of net carbs. That's what you're getting with Built Bar. You're getting a delicious reward for your workout while also making a super healthy choice as well. And right now, Built Bar, a new offer for you here for fans of the Locked On Syracuse podcast and the rest of the Locked On podcast network. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you will get 20% off your next order. BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code locked on all one word and you will get twenty percent off your next order All right let's head into July here, and this is where things again, uh, June we just recap two events really that, that happened in the in the month and then July still a pretty dull month in terms of events, but some pretty impactful stuff happening. TBT gets going so we'll get into that in a second but July 3rd, just a couple of days into the the month, Syracuse gets a huge huge commitment at quarterback from the football side of things, Justin Lampson, a guy remember, Syracuse had missed on Riley Leonard, that seemed like he was their guy heading into it and then all of a sudden Justin Lampson enters the mix and of course we know now that he is reclass not reclassifying, he's enrolling early to get in some some reps in the winter time and and be ready and Really good. He's going to go out there and try to compete for the starting job, and and you can say what you want about oh well he probably doesn't stand a chance against guys like Tommy and and Garrett Schrader who of course is with the program now. But it, at least you're seeing a guy who wants to go out there and compete, and I think that was some of the things that we picked up on with him going through this entire process was he's a gamer. He's a guy who wants to compete and be out there for every snap and get every opportunity. And you leave the door open a crack with this kid. He, he he'll bust it wide open. And that's something that I'm really looking forward to seeing, how he goes about this
0: uh, this competition at quarterback heading into the, the 2021 season. I'd encourage people to go back and listen to our interview with him. We did a two-part interview. I think it was right around this timetable, maybe July 10th, 11th, probably right after Beheim's Army rounded up. But you can always just search Justin Lampson, Locked on Syracuse and Google or wherever you get your podcasts, and it should pop right up for you because – I thought it was a great chat with him. Made me like him even more. And honestly, kind of continues this little run here at quarterback. I know they did miss out on Riley Leonard, but remember, like, before this, our whole talk about the class was, I like this 2021 class. They're building something. The volume's good. They've done well despite the virtual tours and everything, but we need a quarterback. And we've got to make sure we get a quarterback. And I don't want to be waiting on a quarterback once it's national signing day two again, kind of like it was when they had to snag Dylan Markowitz, Jacoby and Morgan or not had to. But just the way that it had been in recent years was they couldn't get a quarterback early in the cycle for whatever reason. So they kind of debunked that. And again, Sterling Gilbert, you look at his work offensive coordinator wise, a little suspect at times. And I think a lot of us are hoping that he bounces back and proves himself a little bit more next year on the field. Off the field recruiting, you bring in Morgan, you bring in Markowitz, you bring in Lampson on July 3rd, and then we'll get to Garrett Schrader as well as we continue this exercise. But those are four quarterbacks in a good quarterback stretch since he has taken over as OC slash quarterbacks coach.
1: It's one of those things where you might not see the results right away. And I think to a degree, what was one of the things we said with Sterling Gilbert? You're going to see the running game take a, a bit of a leap. It certainly did with Sean Tucker, a guy who is capable of giving you an 100-yard game every single time. Give it a little time with Gilbert because now we know that Lamson and just the quarterback stretch that he really has been on and been responsible for in large part has been pretty successful so far. When you look at Trader, when you look at Lamson, and hopefully he can get DeVito right too and get that offensive line going as well. Because that, that's ultimately what's going to determine whether or not Syracuse has success. We know the defense is in place, even though they're going to be losing a number of pieces. But it's really the offense that, that held this team back from being anything special. And the fact that he's gone out and gotten some stuff done behind the scenes is great. Now we just need to see what kind of mind are you on the field as well. And obviously the, the passing game was atrocious this past season and something that's, I would guess, priority number one on Dino Baber's list of things to fix heading into the new season. But no, the the quarterback stuff with, with Syracuse was certainly certainly something that has taken a huge, huge spike in interest and and success since Gilbert took over, at least from the recruiting side of things. Next up, this is a couple days later, July 6th, we're hearing little breadcrumbs and little inklings that Dior Johnson, the, the prize, the guy who at the time still committed to Syracuse, but he's thinking about reclassifying at this point in time. And We're starting to think to ourselves, wow, a a class of Benny Williams and Dior Johnson. I mean, you're looking at a, a class right there that's probably top seven, top five maybe in the country. And if you get those two together, remember, you and I weren't very high on the prospects of Dior Johnson actually suiting up for the Orange. But both you and I were in agreement that if he had reclassified in 2021,
0: we were going to
1: see him play for Syracuse.
0: I think this might have been the peak of our Dior meters, honestly. And I, like you said, it wasn't, and it still it never only got, got to a, what, like a
1: 50% at that. Yeah, at best.
0: Yeah. I think I was always a little bit higher than you and that panned out well for you and sort of looking back on it. Maybe I don't remember. And I don't even know if I put this or we put this in our timeline here, but there was a point, I think it might've been in August where he said something to the effect of I'm coming in a, in a Syracuse.com article. And they asked him straight up and he responded definitively. I am coming like, it's Syracuse. So I'm I'm not going anywhere else, so that might have been the peak of it, honestly. But right in this timetable, it was not like oh you know there's no shot he comes. It did get to that point though. Once we well once it happened in in a couple weeks before that once he was switching schools and everything, which we'll get into. But yeah, this was going on and Bayheim's Army was going on, which I think if you remember, tied the the Boeheim's Army stuff was really exciting because there were no other sports going on at that point. right it was like golf and
1: I think we were getting a little UFC and stuff like that but yeah maybe there was some tennis too I don't remember but yeah this was the first uh, in terms of the major four sports that that people in this country like to watch basketball baseball hockey and football this was the first of those four sports that came back it was TBT and it was a lot of fun and we were talking to some of the guys that were like that was the first time we ended up talking with Devo. I remember we had Demetrius Nichols on the show as well and they were kind of giving us the lowdown of everything that was going on, the preparation for the bubble and all the testing that had to be put in place and really the biggest opponent that all these guys had to face was COVID-19. It wasn't the sideline cancer or the men of Mackey or or the Bayheim's army. No, it, it was, if you got tested positive, and we also had Kevin Belby on at that time, too, the GM. Yeah. If you tested positive, you were not playing in this tournament, and that was one of the things that everyone was kind of
0: worried about, and, and for the most part, it went off without a hitch. It did. It was honestly one of the first, maybe the first, successful bubble experience. I think there was talks already about the NBA doing it and going to Disney, and maybe those plans were formalized, but it had not happened yet. So there was a lot of intrigue around what is a bubble? And this concept was new to us of how often are you getting tested? What are you doing when you're there? That whole experience. So the way that they went on and, and had a very successful tournament and the beheim's Army team as a whole was kind of what we expected. Diva was awesome. And maybe not what we expected because the second game was, was a big bummer. I remember watching that and being kind of, uneasy about the way that they had played they lose to sideline cancer who was a good team and that that came after they beat Menamaki in the first round but for having a high seed they've never really quite gotten as far as i'd like to see them get or i think they're capable of so far but it's always fun watching that bayhams army team Quick break, guys, to remind you about some awesome savings you could be getting right now at betonline.ag. If you like sports gambling, this is the place to go. They've got great lines. They come out early. Very easy interface to use. And those great savings, if you use our promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, all one word, you get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit right now. So that means... If you go in there and you say put down $250, you get $125 free dollars in your account. 50% of whatever you put down is tacked on as free money that you can use to bet on some great NFL games this week. The college football New Year's Six Bowls and NBA is back as well. There's a lot of sports happening right now and a lot of ways for you to make some money at betonline.ag. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. And don't forget to use that promo code locked on. To receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, let's head into August right now. And this
1: is a very, very intriguing football month because, well, we'll start with some recruiting stuff. But right out of the gate, August 3rd, a month after you get a commitment from Justin Lampson, you get the prize, the gem, the jewel of this class of 2020 one uh, class of 2021 and it's deuce chestnut he comes in uh, a four-star guy at the time defensive back we know syracuse has had a lot of success with the defensive backs lately and all of that kind of worked out and and they go out and get a a phenomenal talent out of south jersey a guy that i don't know if you or i thought was actually going to end up committing to syracuse but not only has he done that we know now that he
0: has enrolled early and is fully committed to the program and he seems so all-in on Syracuse, which is awesome. So, yeah, Deuce Chestnut, still to this day, the highest rate of recruit. I believe he has dropped down to a three-star in most recruiting services, which is kind of a bummer to see, but very excited about him. Once again, Monroe reels in uh, an awesome get sort of in the secondary. Also, probably have to give some credit to Chip West, who's the cornerback's coach and is doing a lot of the recruiting in sort of that area in that neck of the woods. So Deuce Chestnut, this class just kept sort of rising at that point, and this was probably the peak of of their ratings and everything. I think at this point they had jumped to right around 44, 45 in the cycle. Where they sit right now is low 50s. Last time I looked, maybe 52, 53, but still overall a good class.
1: Then we get into August 11th, and it, it's kind of weird because this is, what, exactly five months after the day the world stopped? But yeah. <laughs> August 11th, it felt like kind of a, a day that the Syracuse world stops because, you see, the Big Ten and Pac-12 both cancel their seasons. There's some some skepticism whether or not the ACC is going to go on. The SEC is doing everything in its power to make sure they keep going on. And then the Big 12 is just kind of hanging in limbo and basically it felt like do whatever the ACC decides to do. But the the pessimism was certainly growing as to whether or not there was going to be a season. The, the hashtag free Chris Bleich movement is taking a lot of steam right now because uh, yeah. we still hadn't heard whether or not he was going to get a waiver or not, and the season was about a month away, and he, we just had no idea. And, and guys were getting waivers left and right before this, guys who had put in their... Their waiver requests way after Chris Bleich were getting approved in like a month. And this kid somehow had to to sit around and wait for five, six months to to finally get a decision. And then if you remember this little nugget too, that kind of surfaced. But there was some movement on the the Knicks and and Kentucky staff. It felt like there was a a big ripple effect. But that led to one of Indiana's assistants going to Kentucky because a Kentucky assistant went to the Knicks. And then Alan Griffin, the coach of Syracuse, the rumors started surfacing that he was going to potentially take a job as an assistant with Indiana. Of course, that gets nixed about a a day later, a day or two later. And then also on top of all of this, Syracuse begins sitting out some football practices because of some COVID testing concerns and all the uncertainty that was flying around in regards to the season.
0: That is one that I kind of forgot about, honestly. And, and I hope that doesn't come across the wrong way because I was fully like in support of what they were doing and wanted to make sure that everyone that was an athlete— Well, let's just put it this way, too. I think Syracuse really is the pioneer of why this season got
1: off. Like They are never going to be given the credit that they deserve for why college football worked this year. But they really deserve—I'm not going to say 100% of the credit or even 50% of the credit— but they, reser- they deserve a big chunk of credit for why this season got going because they put their foot down early on and said, hey, we don't like the standards that are, are being put in place right now because of all the uncertainty in the world. We're risking ourselves and our bodies as unpaid athletes to go out and make this university as well as many other universities across the country a lot of money. And we're going to do all this and we expect some... some some sort of reciprocation and some sort of sign that you guys care about us on the flip side, too. And really, they got the the protocols put in place that became standard across the ACC and then for the most part became standard across the entire country. And yeah, no, they're no. never going to get this credit that they really deserve for pretty much getting this football season up and going. But they deserve a lot of it.
0: Also, one of two schools that did not have to reschedule any of their games, in the ACC at least. BC was the other one, so the two Northeastern schools, or most Northeastern schools in the ACC did not have any sort of hiccups there. This whole time period of what you're laying out, even late July into this mid-August sort of window, I, I feel like, at least for me, a lot of what was on my mind during this time was, will college football happen? And... That's both of you I and was... I were
1: very pessimistic about it. We were, yeah. I, I and mean, we ended especially... up being wrong.
0: And like we said,
1: we, we would gladly be wrong. We'd love to yeah. have a college football season. Now, I don't know if we'd love to see a 1-10 te- team again, but <laughs> it, right. we were both admittedly said yeah. that, listen, we don't think it's going to happen, but we would love to be wrong. And boy, did we love to be wrong on this one.
0: Yeah, because once the Big Ten canceled, I just felt like it was another... It was only a matter of time that all the conferences would go down. It was uncharted territory, obviously, but we were wrong and, and happy to be wrong. That's a good point you make. The whole time period, though, it just felt like anytime that I had a casual conversation with someone, it was, oh, do you think college football is going to happen? That was just on everyone's mind during this time period. A lot of the talk shows, a lot of ESPN shows were debating this topic, and we joked about the whole Dior timeline could be another podcast. Well... The college football timeline 10 years from now would be a fascinating sort of revisionist history type thing because several times during July, you heard thoughts that was like positive that it was going to happen. Then you heard stuff come out that was negative and it was just a topsy turvy roller coaster type thing that was changing by the day. And for the most part, I was pessimistic and and that's what I was really like down about was. You know, as people that work in sports, we really wanted college football to happen. So it was it was obviously ends up that it does happen. But once the Big Ten canceled, we got on the podcast and we were really down about the season. And then later on in the month,
1: just to, to round out the rest of August, there were these rumors that Abdul Adams and Jarvion Howard were, were thinking about opting out of the season. And of course, uh, we we eventually hear that those those become true and, and they do opt out. And we find out the reasons why. And then this is probably one of the bigger notes of August, but Syracuse gives John Wildhack an extension as the athletic director. Yeah, I kind of forgot is a about move, that. <laughs> and this was, yeah, this was a move that a lot of people were very, very happy with. And I think you and I both were. And I texted with a number of athletes, too, within, the pro, within programs and some alums, too. And they were all very happy because they, they all kind of said the same thing to me, was that John Wildhack is the one AD during their time at Syracuse that cared about every single athlete like some of the the ad's and, and this isn't just exclusive to syracuse but some of these ad's across the country they care about the money makers they care about the football program and the basketball program and the athletes and coaches within it but wild Hack's different in that regard he cares about the the olympic sport guys he cares about the football team and basketball team of course but he cares about the woman's side of things he cares about everyone that wears an s on their chest so to me, that's one of the things that makes him special and makes him a great hire. And again, a lot of people, like when when they were doing the the search for the, the next ACC commissioner, I wouldn't have been surprised if they had said John Wildhack would have been a, a guy that... Obviously, Jim Phillips is the name that, that got chosen, and Jim yeah. Phillips, a, a phenomenal pick, in my opinion. We haven't really talked about that at all, but being a guy from Chicago and watching what he's done with Northwestern... He's been an absolute godsend in terms of athletic directors. And that's going to be an excellent pick. But it would not have shocked me if John Wildhack had been named the next guy as the commissioner of the ACC. And I know Kent Sivrud, the chancellor of Syracuse, was on the committee to go out and and pick the next guy. But Wildhack, I think (laughs) if he didn't get an extension at Syracuse, he would have gotten a, a very heavy look at being the ACC commissioner.
0: Yeah, Phillips is an excellent hire, though, by all accounts. It seems like that's at a very high approval rating. So you make up a good point there, though, that, you know, it could have been him. And I mean, it's weird because I just sort of forgot that he did get an extension with all the other things that were going on. I I know I knew deep down, but when I was going through and saw that, I was like, oh, yeah, that, that happened. That's that's one of those moments that I just sort of forgot about. The other thing with the Abdul Adams-Jarvion Howard discussion Mind-boggling to think about this now, but we, I'm sure, did a podcast about that, and we probably still, despite all that, never brought up Sean Tucker's name, because then the conversation became Jawar Jordan, and he's the breakout guy for this year's team, and Cooper Lutz maybe will be in the conversation, and Markenzie Pierre is a guy that has been kind of waiting for his chance and has been with the program longer, so we'll give him a nod over the freshman. Who knows what was going to happen, but we were like, oh, I think they'll be fine at running back because they have Jawar Jordan, and I'm really excited about Jawar Jordan. Well, it turned out they were fine at running back, but it was because of a completely different player who was still deep in the depth chart despite that news. And we had no idea. And we're going to talk about
1: Sean Tucker a little bit when we continue this series on Thursday, tomorrow, because we're going to get into the fall months and and ultimately to where we are right now on, on this we're we're recording this uh, and getting you, getting out to you on Wednesday, but the, the Thursday as the new year right around the corner, we're gonna get you all caught up to speed on everything that happened in the fall. Of course, football happened in the fall, Tim, and yeah. for better or for worse, <laughs> we gotta talk. It about happened, fortunately. <laughs> so. We'll talk about that, and then we'll also recap the early stages of this Syracuse basketball season as we will continue our 2020 year in review. And if you missed anything else that we did, whether it was the spring months when COVID was was all happening and we were all locked down and some of the things that happened recruiting-wise, or the winter months when we didn't really know much about coronavirus and everything that was going on and life was normal back then, you can check those out on our feed, subscribe, and rate review wherever you get your podcast locked on syracuse and check us out on twitter as well at lo underscore syracuse you will get all the latest syracuse content and buzz and we're bringing it to you all the way through the new year and then we'll get into more of the the basketball and football conversations once the we get into 2021 and i know Tim, both you and I cannot wait to get into 2021 yes. because of Turn what the 2020 page. has meant for so many people. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode. We will be back and get you the, the fall and the winter recap of the Syracuse 2020 year in review. For Tim, I'm Tyler. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.